Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. So glad that you are here. All right, let's jump in. Let's do a little review here we are, week number four of the series called Renew, which is also our theme for the year 2022. I'm just going to review a few things. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or catch it on YouTube. And if you're getting something out of this, maybe share the podcast with a friend or on social media. All right, so we've been looking at Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And so far over the last few weeks, we've looked at the words conform, transform and the word renew. And so just a quick re- rewind. Uh, the word conform is the Greek word uh, schema, and it means habitus. And we talked about how, a ha- the, how habitus and habit are obviously somewhat related. But a habit is something you do while your habitus is who you are. The habitus is our way of being. It's, and it's often formed unconsciously, meaning that our way of being is formed based on our life experiences and the cultural environments that we live in. And so when Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, he's literally telling us not to allow our way of being to be unconsciously learned by our social constructs. We have to be intentional about our way of being. We cannot continue to justify bad behavior by saying this is just who I am or this is just how we do it in our family. This is how we do it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit back into the room. <laughs> oh, my. Am I getting red? I feel like <laughs> my stomach's churning right now. Like <laughs> I was going to dance, but you guys, you know, that would have been. Uh, <clears throat> Montel Jordan, the, the singer that's actually, he's a born-again uh, Christian leading worship at a church in Atlanta. So you should look up his stuff on YouTube. And uh, God is just Speaking of transformation and renewal has transformed his life. All right. But in all seriousness, when we come to Christ, our habitus or our way of being is to be shaped by our new family, not our family of origin. It should be shaped by the family of Jesus. And we're going to revisit this concept in a future series when we talk about how our family of origin affects us and affects our lives, sometimes for generations. And we've also talked about the word transformed. This word is metamorpho in the Greek, and it's where we get our word metamorphosis. And so when Paul says transform, he's talking about changing from being one thing into a completely different thing, from caterpillar to butterfly, from tadpole to frog. He's talking about deep transformation from the inside out. He's talking about uh, the transformation of our souls. And remember, the condensed biblical version of soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And this is very important because we cannot separate our spiritual lives from our emotional lives. Author and pastor Pete Scazzaro says it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. 
See, we have people who have been Christ followers for 25 plus years, but instead of being a 25-year-old in the faith, they remain a toddler because we've separated our emotional lives from our spiritual lives. And I think it's partially because we take verses like 2 Corinthians 5.17 somewhat out of context when it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But this is talking about spiritual renewal. Our souls and our minds, our mind, will, and emotions, they don't automatically become new when we come to Christ. That's why we can experience a powerful move of God in our lives. Maybe we come to the altar, receive prayer, even experience a level of breakthrough spiritually, but we leave those very real and significant moments and go right back to the same stuff we were dealing with before the breakthrough. It's because our souls or our mind, will, and emotions have not been renewed. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some things to be different in my life. I'm ready for some things to be different in my family. I'm tired of circling the same mountains over and over again. I don't want to be the poster child for doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I want to experience real breakthrough, real freedom. And that leads us to renew the word that we've looked at. It means to renovate. Which, or a complete change for the better. And then last week we talked about growing up. It means to cause to grow up. And so Paul is telling us that the only way to avoid our way of being, which is conformed habitus, the Greek word schema, the only way to avoid having our way of being unconsciously formed by our environment and culture around us is to, and, and the only way to experience deep transformation, to experience the metamorphosis that he's talking about, it's to renovate our minds. We have to make a complete change for the better in our souls. We have to grow up in the way that we think. And all this sounds great, but you know as well as I do that this is a very, very difficult task, especially if you've tried it at all. <laughs> Any HGTV fans in the house? Um, Anybody else besides my wife love Chip and Joanna Gaines? Yeah. Uh, let me show, let's show us a quick video real quick and, uh, and we'll come back. There is a window behind here and I'd love to not have to replace that window. So if you could carefully. What? Taking it out of your paycheck if you break this window. I won't break it. There's okay. an 88% chance I will. Okay. But there's a 12% chance I Give me those sunglasses and put those glasses on. I didn't even know I had those. And this is I've been now, looking for those. Yes, now this is going to be the bedroom. Well, guess what it's about to be. Babe, listen to me. Give me this. It's about to become a destruction area. Yeah, I kind of am. We're going to have, have a talk it. before I give this back to you. Let me, let me have that. <gasps> she forgot the salsa. I'll be there in just a second, babe. Watch out. Okay. I have your hammer. Such a weirdo. Oh, so you're not going to break it. Babe, there's plywood behind the drywall, which will make the window completely safe. Okay, so you get your hammer back. Let me have my stuff. Okay, have fun. Be careful. Your hammer and demo day are like synonymous. You can't have one without the other. It's like Thor without his mullet. 
Ooh, let there be light. I did it. Took it out 100%, zero breaks. This is nice. Can you show me what this window looks like so I can see if they're all the same? Yeah, these are definitely aluminum windows. So I think we need some new ones. These are the worst, the least efficient windows ever. I think the girls deserve it. They do deserve it. All right, see you okay, later. Good job. Thanks, babe. Yes, she bought it. <laughs> well, why would I show us that? Uh, I love his quote. Your hammer and demo day are like synonymous. You can't have one without the other. See, part of the problem with many of us is we have HGTV Christianity. In other words, we want to demo an entire house and rebuild it in 30 to 60 minutes. And unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Uh, what Katie and I are working on in our own lives and what we're asking you to do is going to be hard work. We're going to have to demo some old ways of thinking so that God can help us rebuild a new way of life. Destruction has to take place before there can be reconstruction. And a renovation starts with a demolition. Your hammer and demo day are like synonymous. You can't have one without the other. It's going to be work. and There's no way around it. Keeping with the house analogy, let's look at Matthew chapter 12, 29. Jesus is talking. And he says, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and then he can go and plunder his house? And let me give you the context of this verse, because we're going to talk about it a little bit differently. Um, the context is they brought a demon possessed man to Jesus who was blind and mute. And Jesus cast the demon out and he healed the man so that he began to see and to talk. And then the Pharisees, they began to accuse Jesus of using the power of Satan to cast out demons. To which Jesus responds with the famous, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Now look, when we read scripture, we read it often from a historical perspective. Meaning that we believe that the events that we're reading about actually happened. That this was a real conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders of that, of that day. We believe that that's really what happened. Right? There's also a literal aspect to these verses. right? And the, the writers of all of the books of the Bible were trying to convey a specific message to the people of the day. The Bible also carries with it a prophetic tone. Meaning, despite the fact that it was written thousands of years ago, uh, the words still apply to us today. And there are many prophecies that are, have yet to even take place. Now, even though there's a literal and a historical context to each verse, there can also be many different applications, which brings me back to verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and then he can plunder his house? Now, if you could for a second, I want you to think or imagine that our lives are like this house and our souls or our mind, will, and emotions are like the strong man. And so Jesus says, how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? See, but that's where many of us live. 
Jesus told us in John 10, 10 that it's Satan, the thief. He's the one who comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Satan has come to steal our joy and our peace and our hope. He's wreaking havoc in our lives because we've allowed him to tie up the strong man or to tie up our souls, our mind, our will and our emotions. And when we refuse to renew our minds, when we refuse to renovate the way that we think, it's as if we're allowing the strong man to be tied up, at which point the enemy of our soul can plunder our house. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I desperately want us to be healthy, not just for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of others. Countless times we've quoted hurt people, hurt people, but healed people, heal people. But make no mistake about it. A renovation of our minds will be very hard work. I wish it were as simple as hearing a message, reading a book or just spending some time in prayer. I wish there was a specific formula. I was talking to a friend last night. I was talking about the vitamins and things he's taken to, to stay healthy. And I wish, I wish there was a renew your soul, renew your mind vitamin. Just wake up in the morning and take it and you're done. If you do this, this and this, then your mind will be renewed. You will not conform to the world, but your life will be transformed. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. Look, many of us are hungry for a fresh move of God's spirit. But the reality is it would be cruel for God to pour out something that we're unable to contain. And I say that using some hyperbole. Obviously, we cannot contain all that God is or wants to pour into our lives. That would make him not God and us something that we're not. But there are things that God wants to do in our lives, but we're too immature to receive them. Which speaks again to the grow up definition of the word renew. Last week we read from 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul says, uh, uh, 3 beginning in verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Look, these first century believers were missing out on the next level of their faith because they were too immature. Jesus addressed it this way in Matthew chapter 9, verse 16, when he said, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. See, when we renovate our minds, it will make room for God to do something fresh and new. We can't just pour new thoughts into old ways of thinking because it won't be able to be contained. There has to be a renovation, a demolition it has to take place first so that we can reconstruct some things so that God can pour something new and fresh into our lives. In Matthew chapter 5, we read the beginning of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And often we read through a passage of Scripture not taking into account what the people of the day might have been thinking or feeling. Now, when the law is mentioned in the Bible, it's referencing the, uh, the days of the Old Testament where there were hundreds of commands given to the Israelites. But when we read the phrase, the law, it's usually or often referring specifically to the compilation of laws and decrees that, were found, that are found in the first five books of the Bible. This entire section is known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. Now, according to the International Bible Society, let me read you just a little something about the law. Obedience to this law was the awesome obligation of God's people as they 
tempted to merit his favor and blessing. After all, Israel was his special people. And they were bound together in a solemn covenant with him. So the laws are not just some rules laid down by a tribal chief. They were the laws of the covenant community. When the, laws were, when the law was transgressed, the covenant was broken, and so, the relationship, and so was the relationship with God. And that's why the law occupied such a huge place in the life of Israel. Now, before Jesus shows up, the Jewish people had been following this law for 1,500 years or so. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts shaking things up. And we're going to skip around, but I, and I'm going to highlight just a few things in these verses. And the purpose here isn't to dialogue or expound upon the meaning of the text as much as it is to try to imagine what these people were thinking after 1,500 years, generation after generation of following a specific law and a specific way of doing things. In Matthew 5, 21, it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said, don't murder. I'm telling you not to be angry. You have heard that it was said. He's referring to the law. He's referring to what Moses received. He's referring to the, the Pentateuch or the Torah. He was referring back thousands of years at this point. You have heard that it was said that you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said, talking about the law, to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you made. But I tell you, do not swear on an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Verse 38. Watch the pattern. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt and hand over your coat as well, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. One more, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, these people have been following these commands for 1,500 years. This was more than just a way of thinking. This is a clear example of of habitus. It was a way of being. Every part of their lives was shaped by the law. This way of thinking had been passed down for generations. And then Jesus shows up and said, you've heard that it was said. The law says this for the last 1500 years. You've been doing this, but I'm telling you to do this. You've heard that it was said, don't murder. I say, don't be angry. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. I say, don't even look at a woman lustfully. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. But I say to you, love your enemies. Again, the point here is not to dialogue the instructions that he was given. The point is to think about what he's asking these people to do. Jesus is essentially saying, you can't receive the new until you renovate the old. The new way of thinking will not fit into your old mindset. You cannot receive me, the son of God, and hold on to the old way of doing things. This was a complete paradigm shift. 
And I believe that we too are standing at the door of a paradigm shift. The battle for our freedom and our future will be won or lost in our soul or in our mind, will, and emotions. Imagine, if you will, two opposing sides. But one side, they're going to battle. And one side doesn't even know that there's a battle going on. The enemy is attacking and taking them out one by one. And whether we realize it or not, you and I are also in a battle. And this battle may be wreaking havoc in our lives and we don't even know it. Why can't we shake bad habits? Why can't we connect with God? Why do we so easily lose our temper? Why do I fight so much with my spouse? Why am I consumed with worry, anger, fear, and anxiety? It's because our house is under siege. The enemy is trying to tie up the strong man so that he can plunder our possessions. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to rob you of your peace and steal your purpose and your destiny. Look, we can live in denial or we can confront the reality. We can bury our head in the sand or we can take our battle positions. I love what Craig Rochelle says, that you cannot change what you do not confront. And if you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. God is calling us to renovate the way that we think so that we can be free. So many of us in the room have struggled for too long. We've been to the altar. We've prayed, we've cried, we've yelled. There may have been moments where we even cursed God. Maybe the missing link is the way that we think. It's complete renewal and renovation of our minds. Until our current level of pain and frustration are greater than the fear of the unknown, we'll keep circling the same mountain. Because going back to needing a hammer, a hammer representing work. Listen, it's work. And the day you decide, I'm going to deal with the stuff that's underneath, it can be scary. Because some of us know exactly what those, where those places are. And you know where you've been touched. You know those moments. You can go back to your childhood and think about an event or a moment that scarred you for the rest of your life. And you don't want to revisit that because of fear. I can't relive those emotions. I do not want to go back to that place. It's buried. It's under the blood. I'm not dealing with it. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. But until we renovate our mind and do the hard work of going deep down, then we will keep struggling in the same areas because those things will keep surfacing. It takes no work to allow your habitus or your way of being to be unconsciously formed by culture, experience, or family of origin. But it takes very hard, intentional work to resist cultural norms, to buck the system and say, I'm not doing this anymore. Not, I'm not doing it just because culture does it and just because my family has done this for generations that stops here. I'm not doing it. Romans 12, 2, do not conform Meaning, don't allow your way of being to be unconsciously formed by the pattern of this world or to the pattern of this world. But be transformed, which means completely changed from one thing to a new thing. And how does that take place? By the renewing of our mind, renewing a renovation, a complete change for the better, better and by growing up in the way that we think. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Look, there will be trial and error. There will be experimentation and implementation. There will be success and failure. 
And I said last week, listen, I've been deeply immersed in this subject matter for the last six months. It's not new subject matter. It's just that I've devoted my life to it over since the summer. It started with a guy on, on a podcast. He was talking about a book that he had just released. And I thought to myself, man, this would be great material for next year because I knew what our theme was. I was like, I'm just going to pick up this book and start thinking about uh, 2022 so I can get ahead of the game. But I had no idea that this book would start me on what I believe is going to be a lifelong journey and that it would change my life forever. I thought I was getting sermon material, but instead my life was wrecked. And I realized that I've been unhealthy in a lot of ways for a long time. And there's some areas that I didn't even know that I was unhealthy. I said all that to say, look, I've been doing some deep, hard, internal work. Those who have been around a while could... You probably noticed that there's been less fast food stories around here. <laughs> I'd like to think it's because I'm getting more emotionally healthy or that I'm eating less fast food. Neither probably are true. Uh, that's not true. I am getting more emotionally healthy. Um, but I am still eating fast food. Uh, one thing at a time. You know what I mean? I'm renewing my mind. I'll renew my body later. Like I got to. <laughs> Everybody. So on Monday this past week, uh, Emmett. Our three-year-old has tonsils and adenoids removed. And while he was under, they also did an endoscopy because of a swallowing issue that he's had. And we had to be um, in Orlando at 5.45 a.m. on Monday. And like a dummy, I stayed up till around 1.30. And so uh, I'm running on less than two hours of sleep all day Monday. And by Tuesday, man, we are just, we're just done, right? I'm exhausted. The boys are exhausted. Um, Katie's exhausted. And so uh, for breakfast, rather than trying to cook something, I go to one of Bellevue's fine dining establishments. And uh, so after I pay, I get to the next, I pay at one window, I get to the next window, and I realize that I've forgotten Emmett's chocolate milk. And so I said, hey, is it too late to add chocolate milk to my order? To which she said, yes, it's too late. And I should have just left it alone. I asked a simple question. She gave a simple answer. Done. That's it. Okay, I got it. I either got to go around again or go somewhere else. Um, before everybody gets excited, nothing too crazy happens. Uh, so I said, I can't order chocolate milk. And she said, no. <laughs> I said, I can't order a chocolate milk. And she said, no, I don't have a register at this window. And now I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting worked up internally. And I'm thinking. So I said, okay, you can't, you can't tell them back there to add a chocolate milk to my order? And she said, no. <laughs> so I took my food and I left. And I was not going to circle back around that building. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this place. I'm driving down the road. I'm talking out loud. I'm mad. Chick-fil-A would never treat me like this. <laughs> and they wouldn't. They straight up would add something right there. They don't care. Anyway, I'm, I'm upset. I pull into a gas station. I was like, all right, I'm not going back there. I'll just go in this gas station. I'll get some chocolate milk there. So I go into the racetrack, and it looked like, I don't know, like a hurricane was coming through, and everybody's getting the last bit of gas. I was like, why are there 800 people at racetrack? And so I'm pulling in. This lady's pulling out of her gas out of her gas stall, and she's not looking at all. She's gonna, straight up going to hit me. So I'm just like, oh, and I was mad. So it wasn't like, beep, beep, you're going to hit me. It was like, oh, God, God, God. you know what I mean? So I pull in, so I pull in the parking spot, 
And then this lady pulls up in a parking spot too. And I was like, okay, here we go. I'm just kidding. She didn't pull in a parking spot, but it was way down there. And I think she realized that she was pulling in front of me. But I was like, I'm not dealing with these people. Like, I'm going to Kangaroo. So I pull out. <laughs> I pull out a racetrack and I go to the Kangaroo and there's nobody there. And I got my chocolate milk peacefully and I went home. If I could have some grace, I was very sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> so maybe that felt like a long, pointless story. I'm trying to say that this new life is very hard work. Um, I went home, you know, I was praying. I was like, God, what is going on inside of me? And when I almost told Katie what happened, and I was like, look, I'm six plus months into this renewing my mind stuff and trying to get healthy, and I still feel like I'm losing it at the drive-thru. And it can be discouraging. And I say that to you to say, listen, if you're going to start this journey, it's going to be hard work. But you got to be willing to commit. you got to be willing to get that hammer out. Let's demo some walls. And there may be some brokenness that comes from it. You may break some windows along the way. And you may break some things that, that you like. There may be some things in your life that you like that need to be broken through the demolition process so that it can be reconstructed in a way that it can contain and receive what God has for us. It's going to be hard work. There's going to be failure along the way. But just like a home renovation, the work is worth it. The end result is always something better and something beautiful. And our lives will be no different. I promise you that if you start down this journey of a renewed mind, you won't regret it. Your spouse will thank you. Your kids will thank you. Your co-workers will thank you. God wants to do something significant. We got to make the decision. We have to come to a place where our current pain exceeds the level of the fear of the unknown. And until we reach that place, you know, honestly, nothing's going to change in a lot of ways. We can be saved on our way to heaven, blood bought, and still struggling emotionally, mentally, and in our minds because we refuse to do the hard work of renewing the way that we think. I don't want to do that anymore. I told you, hindsight, I've been unhealthy in a lot of ways. Some ways I knew. I was like, yeah, that's probably not healthy. But all things are new. But now I realize there's some stuff that needs to be dealt with. And I'm guessing that you have some things in your life that you need to deal with as well. Some strongholds that need to be torn down. We haven't even gotten into that part of it where Paul talks about pulling down strongholds and taking our thoughts captive and bringing them obedience in, into obedience to Christ. But God wants to do something significant in our lives. And it can only happen when we, when we open that door and we make a decision. So I'm never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. Let's pray just for a moment. God, On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. 
For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.